All right, we're back, Buffalo Bread Podcast, approaching a week five matchup in the UK with the Jacksonville Jaguars, but we won't be able to get there until we talk about the absolute slobber-knocking drudging that the Buffalo Bills put these these squished fish Miami Dolphins through. Man, it was an absolute, it was a wet market out there. How are you feeling, Dan? And also, how are you feeling? You were on IR last week. I am feeling physically better, like I am able to perform my duties as needed for this pod. And with regard to the Buffalo Bills, I am feeling like I owe a lot of people an apology. <laughs> We're keeping the receipts again, Dan. We are. We are. We are. We are reverting to ourselves to keep the receipts on ourselves. Uh, I feel like um, Tony Stark in Iron Man Three after he gets mm. the crap kicked out of him by the Mandarin. Spoiler alert: If you haven't seen this movie from like ten years ago, um. I just I have a lot yeah. of apologies to make. Um, yeah. I have to apologize, I think, first and foremost to this Buffalo Bills defense, which we will get to in the second segment of the show where we check in on how some of our preseason predictions were going. Hint, mine are not going well. Where <laughs> I picked these, this defense to finish last in DVOA in the entire division. Uh, they are currently, and I think there is still data at preseason you could have pointed to, uh, that would have supported that. Uh, we didn't know Terrell Bernard was going to be this freaking amazing. And we're going to talk about him in this game and the defense that, that he executed that McDermott, um, yep. planned to perfection against Miami. Um, but we didn't, we, everybody thought we didn't have a middle linebacker. turns out we do. And then some, um, no one thought this defense was fast. This defense is, I would say other than maybe some key spots in the secondary, this defense is fast, and this defensive line is starting to look as advertised um, week after week, continuing to get better. I mean, sacking Tua four times when he had been sacked once in the previous three games, I get it's a bad offensive line, but that scheme in Miami literally plans for him to get the ball out in two seconds or less. The fact that the Bills were able to confuse him to the point where their rush was getting home in two and a half seconds it, it's what we've always wanted. It's what we've wanted to see if the Bills do against guys like Tua, guys like Burrow with these really quick triggers. JJ, I just, I, 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 I was so wrong in so many different ways and being wrong never felt so right. And let's put it that way. So yeah, there, there's a lot to get to with this game on the offensive side of the ball and the masterpiece that was conducted by game manager and superstar Josh Allen in this game. Yes. And then of course the defensive side of the ball with just a brilliant defensive game plan and then spot on execution by this Buffalo Bills defense. So JJ, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the masterpiece on offense or the masterpiece on defense first? Let's uh, let's throw the offensive flowers out there first. And I think, um, you know, you got to kind of start at the top. I think that Dorsey had an excellent plan. There was a lot of different things that we haven't seen in prior weeks, which makes me hope and believe that he is going to kind of peel the la the layers of this onion as he goes through the season when he needs to, you know, pull pages out that he hasn't used in the playbook. So they did a lot of extra um, flash and, and different things with Stefan Diggs in motion and different things with different sets. You know, Deontay Hardy in the backfield, Stefan Diggs in the backfield at times. Um, they actually did some things that were Miami Dolphins-esque. You know, they, they may have even stole some some of the concepts to manipulate the defense, move people around and get their playmakers into better angles at the snap of the ball. And I think that the team was coached extremely well. 
the actual coordination and the game plan was was excellent for the vulnerabilities in the Miami defense. And then the execution on the part of the, part of the players was really good. So, you know, hats off to, to Dorsey. I think that, you know, he got a lot of heat last year, especially during the middle and end of the season for the Bills offense being too predictable. And I think that he's showing that if they have, you know, knock on wood, of course, if they have a healthy offensive line, if they have the skilled position players they think they're going to have, and Josh Allen is playing within the scope of the offense, they're a special unit. They can do a lot of things. Um, their efficiency right now is through through the roof. Like, if they can keep this up, and I know that t- this result and the last two weeks' result are are substantial, but if they keep this kind of efficiency up or something close to it, they're gonna they're going to also be a revolutionary offense in the league this season in terms of you know point differential, in terms of third down efficiency, in terms of ending uh, drives with points. It's going to be an excellent year. Um, and so hopefully they're, they're able to keep it up. Hopefully they have enough wrinkles that when counter punches from the best defensive coordinators and the best defenses in the league come, um, they have plans for them. So, yeah, again, start at the top. I think that I can kind of we can scaffold right into Josh Allen at 27, just had his sixth game, with you know, four passing touchdowns, 300 plus yards passing. Um, one of the, the stat that he's he's now set the NFL record. And uh, is likely to blow that record apart. Um, he's behind just Patrick Mahomes and Dan Marino again for most touchdowns in his first six seasons in the league. Patrick Mahomes again is ahead of him, having you know having his sixth season ended last semester, last last semester, last year. Um, and so Josh Allen is on pace. You know, I think he's like 19 behind Patrick Mahomes for the season. So if he gets over 19 TDs between now and the end. That record's his as well. It it looks excellent um, when he plays within the scope, when he doesn't make mistakes, uh, and when he's properly protected. And I want to start with the protection, JJ, because um, we have maligned this offensive line for, for years, and we got into it a little bit this season with them too, especially after that Jets game. It just It just didn't look like this was an offensive line that had improved in any kind of meaningful way. Um, there are still questions about Spencer Brown. Dawkins was kind of on the rebound from a subpar season from last year. We had this new piece in Osiris Torrance that we thought would fit well, and he has been fitting well. Mitch Morse with his health, and then Connor McGovern, of course, being a new, new expensive free agent piece this team brought in to rebuild this offensive line. Um, but question marks were abound, especially at the tackle position in the preseason. I remember, I remember after the Pittsburgh game, when people were really starting to question if Dawkins still had it and whether or not he would have to slide inside to kind of finish his career as a bill. So the Athletic has this great aggregate score. It's based off of their own algorithm, PFF's algorithm, and it basically takes this Rotten Tomatoes-esque aggregate between all of these various ratings agencies for us offensive line play. And JJ, the best-rated pass-protecting offensive line in the National Football League to date is the Buffalo Bills. Osiris Torrance has allowed zero sacks as a rookie and over 270 snaps. Mitch Morris and Deion Dawkins as well have allowed zero sacks this season um, for our beloved Josh Allen. This offensive line is balling out in the pass-protection game, and we have seen what they've been able to do with this accelerated push that they get particularly on the right side with Brown and Osiris Torrance, 
the holes that they can open up for their speed back in James Cook, for the power backs that they're bringing with Damian Harris and uh, Latavius Murray. The offensive line really showed out. It, they gave up two sacks this game. It would That was something of an inevitability um, against a pass rush that is as effective as Miami's is, even without Jalen Phillips in the lineup. But still, this is a marked improvement over last year. And we have been saying that if you give Josh the requisite amount of time, he is going to dice up an opposing defense. And that's exactly what happened in this game. I agree with you. Dorsey's game plan was incredible. And the way that he is decoying Hardy on some of these middle corner routes and freeing up those zone beaters on the sideline to Gabe Davis, something this team couldn't do with any reliability last year because A, they didn't have anybody in the middle of a field that was a viable threat that could catch the ball. Um, and B, they simply weren't giving Allen enough time to hit those routes on the sideline. Very first TD pass to Davis. Beautiful play design where Hardy's running that middle end decoy. Fr freezes the safety for just the right amount of mo uh, moments to open up that zone cornhole right in the top corner of the end zone. Beautifully executed play. Beautifully drawn up play. And we said this a couple of weeks ago that we it felt like Dorsey was beginning to layer on more stuff to the offense he wanted to build here. And that's the scary part for me is that I don't think this offense has topped out yet, which is saying something for a unit that has scored 30 plus points over the last three weeks. But we still haven't seen Hardy meaningfully involved, Sherfield meaningfully involved. They're trying to get Shakir more active. And we haven't really seen them turn up the juice on Kincaid yet either at this point. This is a unit that definitely still has some tread on the tires as far as what it can roll out there. And I'm hoping that at the quarter pole, they're getting ready to turn some of those things on for the rest of the season. Well, and I, to points, you know, in this specific game with Miami and, and generally about the offense through four, four weeks, and now we're going to do like kind of quarterly stuff in a minute. Um, they, you know, Dorsey's offense, the way I've seen it so far in a season and a couple of games, works if he has two things that are absolutely critical. One is interior protection so that there's not quick pressure. He has a quarterback who can mostly invalidate outside pressure, especially if it's wide and there are rushing in there are lanes. There's escape lanes and it's a muddled rush, you know, with everybody compressing the pocket. Josh Allen tends to do well. And those two sacks he took, he took them as the smartest play on that down. It was live to fight another day. And so I think that, you know, um, if he has the interior protection, one. And in two, if he has skilled players who can catch the ball at various points, you know, various layers of the field, um, short, mid, intermediate, and long, then he has what he needs. Those two things combined, I think he has right now. And that's why we're seeing this kind of efficiency is because it's giving Josh Allen options short with run after catch ability, medium with first down ability, and then long with TD ability. And it's the most prime example of a pick your poison offensive attack so that defenses they are facing cannot turn to man coverage, even if they have talented corners, because Josh Allen's going to take off with his legs. You can't turn your back on Josh Allen. He'll beat you with his feet. And everybody knows that at this point in the, in the league. So they have to have complex zone schemes to try to, to delay his processing and compress the the routes that the the bills cat pass catchers and talented you know receivers are going to run and it's just not happening i mean um stefan diggs is is an absolute technician he he made cater Kohu look like a complete complete rookie out there 
um, incapable of, of coverage with some of his footwork. And so it's, you know, things can continue like this. Um, I don't know a defense that would be able to stop it. The kind of efficiency and decision-making that Josh Allen is make is, is bringing to the table, the kind of protection the line is providing, and then the kind of scheme that Dorsey is using in order to use angles and leverage to make sure that there's always a good option for Josh Allen. It's great. It's great so far, and I think that we're never going to see a screen game because teams know they always have to have their eyes in the backfield with Josh Allen. But you don't need it if you have four-yard hook to Dalton Kincaid, five-yard slant to um, you know Stefan Diggs because they can make what you need to happen happen. And Deontay Hardy had that one first down in the game that was just amazing. He caught it four or five yards short of that the sticks. That was crazy. Yeah, made two guys miss and got the first. Like I mean, he's that's, so shifty. Yeah, he's really with, shifty. With, with those kinds of efforts, you know, I think that that's what that's all they need is excellent individual effort to make something happen after the catch and Josh Allen to keep to just keep guarding the thing honestly yeah again another game where he completed uh completed a pass to eight or more pass catchers yep um and they're not the drops the drops that were a problem last year for this squad um that the Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver room has seemed to have found at this point um, are not a problem for this Bills team this year, yes. which is huge because that's consistency it, with the hands. I mean, it's huge. incredible, right? And I think it's that has inspired confidence in Josh with his, with a multitude of different pass catchers. It, last season, there was the UCL issue. He probably didn't trust a lot of these guys to catch the ball. He didn't feel like he could go to a multitude of targets. And he didn't have the time to go through a lot of his progressions because the offensive line protection was so um, middling. All of those things turned on their head and you can, you can make the argument and I will cede to anyone who wants to say the Buffalo Bills haven't, uh, haven't played a great team yet. I would disagree for the defenses that they have faced. The Jets, I think everyone agrees, especially after seeing Patrick Mahomes also struggle against that defense in primetime this weekend. That is a defense that's just built to beat a lot of modern quarterbacks, mm -hmm. right? Um, the, the Raiders, I will see that argument. That is not a good defense. The Washington commanders, that is a four real unit. And they have played some pretty tough competition pretty well early on in the season. And then the Miami dolphins, I understand where they are DVOA wise, but from a talent, talent by talent point on the roster, this is a pretty talented pass rush. And for the most part, teams that have been able to give Josh Allen fits and will a little bit of foreshadowing as we we talk about a hopeful revenge game against Jacksonville mm. coming up here. Teams that have given the Bills fits have really only needed to have a solid defensive line and pass rush in order to disrupt um, Josh's timing. We've seen that happen before, time after time. You could make an argument that these are maybe the four best defensive lines that they've played in the first four games of the season that they're going to see all year, especially with Matt Judon now being out for New England indefinitely. You could make that argument, and this offensive line and this scheme has performed really well in circumstances this year where if the same circumstances were faced in the past with past personnel, they would have struggled greatly. What this means to me is real progress. Progress in Josh's maturation, progress in Dorsey's play-calling scheme, and finally, finally, some of these draft picks and free agent investments on the line starting to hit. It feels like four games in, 
these things are starting to come together in the right way and in the way that I think everyone has hoped they would for the past couple of seasons. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, kind of um, we can put a bow in the offense and talk a little bit more about that defense in depth um, to kind of wrap up, wrap up the Miami game. I think that um, absolutely. I think Osiris Torrance pick is looking more and more like an absolute steal in the second round. And I think that, um, you know, I think Gabe Davis is, he might get a contract to, to, to give exactly what he gives, which is a couple of catches a game. One of them is going to be a TD, you know, on a nice, uh, a long arcing ball. And that might be it. Right? Like, and that's okay. That he might be a, always the, the Robin to Stefan Diggs Batman. And that, that can be enough. Um, if he comes up in clutch moments, that's, that's good enough for me. Uh, and there's enough other options that you don't need him to be a high volume pass catcher. So, you know, I think that that's, that's looking good. I think that, you know, um, flipping over to the the defense in this Miami game, Terrell Bernard and Matt Milano are just outstanding. I did not expect this. No, no one. What did. I'm if anyone what said I'm they seeing, expected yeah. this, they're a liar. Right. Like it makes everybody in Bills Mafia and the media landscape who spent all summer talking about you know, ringing alarm bells about the Bills not making enough profound moves to relate uh, to replace Tremaine Edmonds. It makes us all look like fools. I, I was in that too. I was like, I don't know what they're going to do. I didn't see it in any other player um, to to be able to come in with that level of consistency and and replace the the giant condor like wingspan and shoes of uh, Tremaine Edmonds. But it looks like what we really needed all along was we needed uh, Coach McDermott, Sean McDermott, to be calling the defensive plays. They're more aggressive. They're doing way more simulated pressure. They're not blitzing. They're blitzing less than Leslie Frazier did, but they're getting more product production. They're getting the top pass rush win rate um, from the defensive front, correct? With the with the second lowest blitz rating in the in the NFL, so they are just it's exactly what Sean McDermott used in the amazing run that he he had with the Panthers as defensive coordinator when they went to a Super Bowl. It was you know, being a terror to, to opposing quarterbacks because they never knew who was coming and it was never more than four people. And the four people were always counted on to win one-on-one matchups where they, where they had them. And that that's happening. I think that you're seeing, you're seeing the yield on a contract for Ed Oliver. He's been a nightmare interior. Uh, and you're seeing Greg Rousseau look like what we hoped he would look like at this point in his career. I was so consistent, out on more consistent. I was so out on him like two weeks ago. Right, I was so Rousseau done. or Oliver Rousseau. Rousseau, Rousseau. Yeah. I was so done with Rousseau, and I then know. all of a sudden, ever since I said that, thanks for listening to the pod, Greg. He's had um, he's had four sacks, I think, or something yes. like that. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I'm glad I could motivate him that way. That's crazy. He doesn't. You really did. Yet. You did a great job. Um, no, but yeah, just, I mean, I'm just wrong about everything. Well, and and that's one thing. I mean, this is one of those things where you know, you're like a you're like a misbehaving puppy. I'm gonna rub, rub your face in it, Dan. Um, this defense is is converting pressure to sacks. It, the sack rates, the sack the sa- numbers are the there. Sa- they're no, coming. They're they're starting to come, and it's real. And you can't blame me though for after seeing year after year of I know. Bills in the top like ten and it, Jer- pressure and rate. pressure yeah. rates, right? And then Jerry Hughes it, top five in the NFL right. pressure rate. And then all no all I'm watching are highlights of Patrick Mahomes sidestepping that quote unquote pressure and like yes. taking our souls from our body in the playoffs. You can't blame me for that. I can't. Blame but you. the sacks are starting to come, and I get it. 
the Jets don't have a great offensive line. Neither neither do any of the other three teams we've played, including Miami. But all of those teams, I'd say with the exception of Washington, scheme to get the ball out so quick so that they can negate the pressure and cover up the weaknesses yes. of their offensive lines. McDermott is doing things with cover two and cover six deployments with the secondary that are confusing opposing QBs, making them hold on to the ball that half second to two-thirds of a second longer, which is enough time for the speed and athleticism of this defensive line to finally get through. It's, it, it is the, the, set, the deployments in the secondary aren't just simulating pressure. They're disguising where their coverage is coming from without sacrificing what they need from their DBs to support the run game either. What I, what I loved particularly about those cover six setups that uh, McDermott was deploying is that, so basically a cover six is cover two, for those of you who don't know, cover two on one side of the field, cover four on the other side of the field. But it simulates and looks like you're putting two, two deep safeties back, right? And then post-snap, your DB shift in a way to where you have some guys that are in the flat, some guys that are flashing into the box, and it allows those those other DBs to flash back into their deep assignments while those other DBs are coming up and rubbing guys in that five-yard five, five um, box area. And there was not a free five yards to be had against that Miami offense. Every time someone went to get the, the end of their five-yard route, they were getting bumped or rubbed by a DB or a linebacker, Bernard, Milano, somebody was laying pads on these guys to disrupt timing, which allowed guys to get to their coverage assignments on time and disrupted the timing of Tua's routes. It was a great use of what is real, what could be misconstrued as a really soft coverage concept. But that credit goes to McDermott for the scheming, but then also that defense for execution, and particularly Terrell Bernard, who was so active pre-snap, calling out positions, calling out pre-snap motion for that Miami defense, he had, grabbing DT's yep. hips and moving them into different Correct. gaps. Like I saw that four or five times. Uh, I was like, that is awesome. That is like a, for a second oh year player. Yes. Yeah. That that is a dude who didn't just study the tape. He was somehow in Miami's playbook. He got a PhD in the tape. Yeah, unbelievable. Just in a week. Like he knew he knew what was coming basically as Tua was yep. calling it at the line. It was crazy. Well, and and I'll go even even one you know one step further with the depth of the cover two cover or cover two cover four combo cover six coverage, in that essentially, okay, so coming into this game, Tua Tua's in me and Tua I think is a really excellent quarterback, and I still believe that after this game, even you know he faced some pressure, he made some errors, but he is he's an excellent quarterback. He's going to torch a bunch of other teams this That's year. That's a top five. Tua is a top yeah. five QB. Yeah, he's going to torch teams, and part of the reason he's going to torch teams, and I got into this with um, uh, Steve when we were doing the prepod uh, for this Dolphins game, is that you know people may give him guff for throwing to his first read over eighty percent of the time, but he's making completions to that first read on eighty percent of those throws, and it's because he knows exactly where the void is going to be in the coverage pre and post snap. So it's like boom, hit your back foot, balls out to the first read completion and that's why they've been so strong on offense um and he was hitting that again over 80 percent in every game prior to the bills game in the bills game he only hit his first read about 40 percent of the time because that cover two cover four to make the cover six combo basically it erases a, a void in the zone on one half of the field 
it covers one half of the field and has very small windows with DBs. And then it covers the other half of the field with safeties and linebacker play with bigger voids. So you're basically making your, your, your funneling all passes are going to have to go to that one side. And if you just continuously like Dermot did in this game, if you continuously flip the sides of the field that are doing the tighter coverage windows to what you've seen on tape as the route combinations that the opposing team likes to play, you're gambling that they're going to be in the in the tightest windows and unable to make the throws they Correct. like to make at that two to three second time period. It's a timing. It's like a timing based defense. You are taking away um, two thirds yeah. of the field and never yes. giving Tua the area of the field he wants, which is the middle of the field. Yes. Only ever giving him a, a boundary on one side with a big gap. And that one big gap is going to be a harder throw. It's going to be less likely that one of their players is in that window at the right time before your pass rush can get there. And so it makes the defense pretty infallible to even an excellent, efficient offense such as the Dolphins. And they needed two drives, those first two touchdown drives by the Dolphins, to figure out which route combinations yep. were, were coming at them with which offensive you know packages of players on the field at the time they were going to see. And once they had the, the film, once they had that on their tablets done yep like done yep they knew it after that first quarter they knew exactly how they wanted to play this particular offense um and you know it's interesting i i don't i don't want to take away any credit from buffalo but i think i think too one of the things that one of the questions i asked pretty openly on the pod preseason was can mike mcdaniel adjust when other teams take away what he wants to do. Mm -hmm. We saw last year that this team, even when Tua was out, kind of stubbornly stuck to the scheme that they had designed. This year, their solution was, well, we're, we're simply going to, we're going to run the ball, right? And they've developed this really great kind of San Francisco 49ers-esque outside zone run game. What I loved about McDermott's counter that is he basically played his defensive line exceptionally wide. He was like, go ahead, take us up the A or the B gap, right? Mm -hmm. And meet my friends Matt Milano and Terrell Bernard and potentially Micah Hyde too if he's dropping down into the box. By all means, take that. If you're going to beat us in the run, it's going to be in the power run game. Mm -hmm. And he played the defensive line so wide that we were able to set the edge and take away most of what they wanted to do from the outside zone concept. Now... The Buffalo Bills rush defense, which I have said is bad, is statistically slightly bad. average, okay? And and it was only by virtue of McDaniel basically giving up on the run in the second half that, that really saved us, I think, from being gashed a little bit more there. But that's, again, a credit to all three phases of the Buffalo Bills game plan working in unison because the offense was so relentless. I think they scored on seven of their first eight possessions. Yeah. They were just so relentless with the pressure they were putting on that there was no way McDaniel could continue to stick to the run game. Well, and I was just going to say that. I was going to say, you know, one of the best rush defenses in the game is an offense that puts up 40 points because it, it creates a situation where, you know, you could see it in the second half. McDermott was basically cluttering all of the passing lanes and being like, yeah, run run however much as you want. Like, you're good. Yeah. you don't have enough possessions you cannot stop our offense from at least getting a few first downs. So we know we're going to take three, at least three or four minutes off the clock every time we touch the ball. Go ahead and run it. 
take a six or nine minute drive, like get a touchdown by running the ball on us. That's fine. They were going to trade rushing productivity for time on the clock. And I think that that was a valid strategy. And I think that that's going forward. I think the, the Bills rushing defense is its most, it's its biggest vulnerability because they do have light linebackers in Milano and Bernard. Um, they have, you know, corners and, and, and defensive backs who are definitely willing to jump up into the box and get their noses dirty, but they're also not huge. You know, this isn't the Legion of Boom on the backside. And so you're going to have vulnerabilities there as well, especially if you can get um, a tight end or alignment on those players. So there's going to be, the Bills are probably going to be gashed by the run quite a lot this year. And I'm not at all worried about it if the offense can stay efficient because essentially you're going to erase the running ability by being up by two or three scores late and saying, you know, you don't have time to move the ball down the field. Um, the Bills are likely going to stay in shell coverages, so they're going to have Poyer, Hyde, Rap, whomever the safeties are back there, cleaning up on those long, you know, 14, 15-yard runs, uh, and that's going to also, you know, take time. So time is going to be an extra player on the defense this year if the Bills offense can stay as aggressive as they are. Agreed, agreed. Now, JJ, we can't move on from this defensive conversation without, of course, talking about Trey White. Oh. Um, I know. I know. Trey, who was rounding back into form beautifully this season, um, lost for the rest of the year with an Achilles tear, um, which means we are likely going to see what kind of we have been asking for. And now I'm not going to lie. I'm a little scared to see it. We are going to see Kyer Elam very likely come off of the inact healthy, uh, healthy scratch inactive list. Uh, that he's been on for the first four weeks of the season, join the active dressed roster and likely back up Christian Benford and Dane Jackson. JJ, I, it's tough to predict that we have been through this and and not so long ago, the loss of Trey White. The yeah. defense has been able to put it together, and you can make the argument that the la the last time we lost Trey, the cornerback room was not nearly as deep as it is now we are deeper we are somehow younger in that db room we're a little bit more athletic and we're a little bit faster it's impossible to fully make up for the loss of someone as talented as trey white but jj what do you see as the path forward for the bills as they try to cope with the loss of their top db so I, I see a couple of things first for trey white i think that you know bills mafia the the team everybody's absolutely gutted it's it's you could see his frustration, his pain, his anger, his sadness on the field when it happened. You knew it was something serious, non-contact. He came up kind of lame and hopping, and you knew something was wrong. First, I think thought it was the ACL, and then kind of Twitter or X-Fear started talking about how it was most likely an Achilles tear, and that's what it ended up being. Um, season ending, uh, my bigger concern with Trey, before we talk about kind of the Bills in their season, that this is career ending because – only 40% of players who go out with an Achilles tear, especially at skill position, burst bend type, you know, positions ever come back and start in the NFL. Um, so it's, and if there's anybody in the world who can break the odds, it's Tredavious White. I think he's one of the hardest working players on that team. I hope his, you know, recovery goes well, goes famously, and he's, he's a trend breaker because yes, uh, 60% of people never play as a starter again. Um, the highest rate of return is tight ends. The lowest is wide receivers, uh, running backs, DBs, and LBs are all kind of in the middle, all less than 50% return uh, to play. And so of the DBs whose careers have continued since the year 2000 after an Achilles uh, rupture, 
100% were worse statistically and never regained the capacity by any metric uh, in their career, you know, that's meaningful for defensive back play. So um, he's unlikely to return to his levels. If he does, he'll be the first to, to return to all pro capacity with that type of injury, which is just absolutely heartbreaking. Um, and so we'll, we'll kind of see again. I hope he's, he is the you know outlier in this and, and does come back as we've seen him and has a, a long and productive career after the recovery. Uh, but as for the bills and their defense, I think Benford and, um, and Dane Jackson are going to be fine because one of the things that's been so critical to the, Sean McDermott slash Leslie Fraser scheme is even if you have, you know, less athletic outside corners, they're technically sound. They use the side, the boundary as an extra defender, and they're always in the correct position to count on the defensive line to help them, you know, with, with sacks. Right. And so I think that that's, that's what will, will do well. I think that's what we'll see as a difference and maybe not as severe a drop off is that if this defensive line can keep up this pressure rate, um, and the linebackers with with their pressures uh, on the four man rush, I don't know that we're going to see the DBs get torched, and especially if Poyer and Hyde can stay mostly healthy for the season. I think that the the top will stay on the defense. We've seen what the scheme scheme is. They they tend to still do the same thing. You can propagate the ball down the field with four or five yard passes. We're going to attack you as soon as you have it in your hands. We're going to try to limit the big play. Um, and it works excellently when you have playmakers like Milano and Bernard. You have Ed Oliver, Greg Rousseau, you know, Leonard Floyd tearing it up. Daquan Jones? Daquan Jones might be the unsung hero Dude, of the league. What a beast. He is what an he's just having like beast. A, he is having an outstanding season. And so I think that the pass rush can save the backside and the boundary corners. Not to not to say that they necessarily really need saving. I think that Ben for or Benford's been great, uh, and and Dane Jackson looked really good against an excellent team in the second half of that game. Dane Dane Jackson in spurts is mm-hmm. better than Dane Jackson full time, so yeah. it'll be really interesting. We we just know what Dane is, right? Yes. And what'll be interesting to see is who is who is technically our our CB one coming out of this. Who is who is it that we are going to put on an opposing team's best player who is it that we're going to put on kelvin ridley this coming week is it going to be dane jackson who to his credit when trey went out a couple of years ago he locked down that cb1 spot did an admirable job right um definitely saw the limitations versus was vulnerable was in the playoffs was a vulnerability right got picked on by by some some higher level qbs to put it lightly but was serviceable will the bills though trust Christian Benford with some of those primary duties. It it it, it remains to be seen. Um, and then you've got the X factor now of Kyer Elam, who one would assume is going to be activated for these games now and is going to be used in a regular rotation with either Benford or with Jackson. Um, it'll be very interesting to see. I, I don't have a, a good prognosis for what it's going to look like, but I think the Bills, you can never be in a great place to lose one of your best players, but the Bills are in a better place to absorb this blow now than they were two years ago when it first happened. That I will say. That that CB room is much deeper than it was before. Yeah, you know, and I, 
I do think that the the defense as a whole working together is probably the answer as to what protects the the CBs on the outside from from being exposed. Um, and you know, as best as we can, um, the Bills are going to trudge forward. I think that you know um, Trey was a, is a huge you know guy in the locker room in terms of bringing the spirit and the juice too, and so somebody's going to need to set up step up to to provide that sort of emotional energy. Uh, and we'll see what it looks like on the field, you know, this coming Sunday against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Are you ready to talk about that? Uh, before we get to that, I want to expend some emotional energy myself <laughs> talking about where we stand here at the quarter yes, pole with our predictions. Right. So, uh, listen, man, we both talked a lot of shit preseason about what we thought was going to happen. Um, one of us has been much more wrong than the other. And I think given that we're about accountability on this pod, I want to talk about four games in a quarter of the way into the season, where we stand with some of our preseason predictions. Um, I have my handy dandy DVOA rankings list up here, JJ. Mm-hmm. If you want to talk about, um, and I know you do, some of I our do. divisional predictions. So yes. for those of you who don't remember, we made our divisional predictions uh, at three ways. Who we thought would overall win the division which we both agreed we thought the Bills would win. Um, and then who would be ranked one through four deep based on DVOA, the best best to worst offense and the best to worst defense. Uh, those predictions, JJ, have not gone the way that I thought they would. That's um, right. You, sir, are much closer than I was to where we're at. So would you like to start with a check-in on the offensive or defensive performance of our AFC East rivals? Let's, um, let's go with the offensive performance. All right. So by DVOA, I think we both said the bills would be, did we both said yes. the bills would be number one, correct? We said, we said bills number one on offense. Yep. And then um, I said my, Miami two, you had you Miami. Said Patriots and yeah, yeah. I had Miami number two. Then I had jets. Then I had Patriots. You had, Bills, Patriots, Miami Jets. I did. I was drinking the McCorkle Kool-Aid and <laughs> I was believing the Bill the the Bill O'Brien hype. Bill O'Brien touch. Yeah. To, like he's better than Matt Patricia. You guys have no idea how bad Patricia was. It turns out that while Patricia was the problem, it just looks like Mac Jones is not a good quarterback. Mac Jones is also the problem. Yeah, Mac Jones is also the problem. And yes. the lack of of a wide receiver separation ability on that offense is also a problem too. The way defenses are playing the Patriots, they are not scared of Mac Jones making a play downfield for more than nine or 10 yards. Uh, They are putting everything in the box to shut down the run and they're daring McCorkle to beat them on the boundaries. And he just can't, he's got nothing on his throws. They can't put any play action into place because that offensive line is so banged up and so terrible all of the hallmarks of a bill o'brien offense and an offense that plays to the strengths of mac jones they just haven't been able to do because jones is a really limited qb and they're really limited with the talent or lack thereof they have on that offense i also thought miami was due for a down year i'm not willing to back off of that at this point because i had them finishing fourth i think in dvoa in the division that's going to be wrong but i also I still think there's something coming for the Dolphins. But anyway, here are the DVO, DVOA rankings for the AFC East. Number one on offense and number one for uh, number three. I'm sorry. Hang on. 
number one on offense. What are we saying? Miami Dolphins. Okay. The Miami Dolphins Dolphins no, are no, number no. one on offense, which shouldn't surprise anybody. Number two in the division and number three overall in the league, you are Buffalo Bills fans. All right. Then we get down to, God, the New England, the New England Patriots and the New England and the New York Jets. The New York, New England Patriots, while not second, are currently third, 19th overall in the league mm. and third okay. in the division. And the New York, New Jersey Jets are playing for dead last at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Dead last. 27th in the league and fourth in the division. So I'm not terribly off, but there is a world between being 19th and being third in the league, which is what separates New England and the Bills. Defensively, let's rank this bad boy here, shall we? Oh, come on. Come back to me. All right. So defensively, I said the Bills were going to be fourth. That is terribly wrong. I that, yep. that is brutally wrong. I th- you you were you were also amongst the like smack smacking that panic button. I of, was you know Tremaine Edmonds leaving. I was well. I mean, who knew that Terrell Bernard was like mini Bobby Boucher? Like who I knew didn't. this? Who knew no that he had, like they this. just literally cloned Matt Milano and then sent him back to <laughs> college? Seriously, yeah. to a to to Baylor so that they could draft him in the third round. Just crazy. All right, so here's where we are. The Buffalo Bills, number one in overall defensive DVOA rank. Number two, number two in the NFL fans, uh, behind ranking only behind the Dallas Cowboys. Next up on that list, I had the Patriots being ranked number two. The, this is a really good defensive unit in New England. Unfortunately, it's about to get worse with Judon being out, yeah. and now they've just lost Christian Gonzalez today. And they are welcoming back the... The Stefan Diggs accelerant that is JC Jackson via oh, trade no. today. Yeah, with, with <laughs> oh, the Chargers. Wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the Chargers are eating a lot of his contract this year yeah. to send him to New England, too. They're basically paying for him to play for a, for a conference rival. That tells you anything. But the New England Patriots are second in the division and they are number eight overall. Let's see. Next up on the list, the New Jersey Jets, third overall in the division and 19th overall in the league. And then I think to not a lot of people's surprise, Miami Dolphins are last in the division, 29th overall yeah. in DVOA. Better than only the juggernauts of Arizona, Chicago, and Denver. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. That And, you Yikes. know, I, I get it. Phillips is out. Ramsey hasn't played yet. And we said this too. The splits on a Fangio and newly installed defense the splits for the first eight games for the last eight games based on a 16 game season, wildly different. And we are yeah. still in that install phase with this defense in Miami and they do not have all their pieces in though. What I will say is that through three games in Josh Allen's career against a Vic Fangio coached defense, he's putting up some pretty impressive numbers over three games, only one pick. He's averaging over 300 yards per game against a Fangio, um, Fangio-led defense, and he's got nine. He's got ten total TDs in three games. So it might not so, matter when they're healthy because yeah. Josh seems yeah. to not care what Vic Fangio has seems to, to know up. what. Yeah, seems to know what Vic Fangio is trying to do and does not give a crap about it. Right. Um, I will say this, and we didn't really get into this, you know, when we were talking about the offense versus Miami, but it's worth mentioning it, and I, I'm sad I missed it. Under center Josh Allen play action 
is like 20% more likely every snap this season than any time last year and is crushing. Yep. Josh Allen is like 27 of 33 with 158.3 perfect passer rating, five touchdowns, no interceptions. That's insane. He's the He's best just, play action QB in he, the league. Absolutely. And they just need to stick with it. And the, that all starts with um, James Cook being a threat out of the backfield to bust one. Like they, yeah. when he turns his back on the defense and goes to stuff that ball in James Cook's chest, when he's under setter, it's believable. And he's excellent with ball handling. He's able to hide what he's doing. And the defensive uh, linebackers will suck up towards the line. The defensive linemen will stop their pass rush and try to set edge or get in their their rush lane, um, and it's amazing because it changes the changes the landscape for the defense to the Bills' favor. Because when he turns back around and lets that thing rip, people are out of position, and so I just hope that keeps up. Well, and this is as we tie it back into what we're talking about with some of these defensive rankings for our divisional rivals. This is the thing that we've been saying all along can be kind of that kryptonite to some of this cover two shell that Josh sees over and over again. It's his maturity and his development and his patience, yes, but it's also the Bills convincing teams that they have another way to win if Josh can't win it for them. And they have done that with real efficacy with the way that they have established James Cook and that whole running back room and the way that they're choosing to use them. It makes the threat of play action, as you said, very, very real, and it makes a lot of these DBs think twice when they're looking to to recognize what play is happening in front of them. And Josh, because the delivery time is his delivery time is down almost a third of a second from last season um, yeah. to this season because his delivery and his decision making is just so much quicker. And Dorsey's scheme is so much cleaner. I mean, it, it really makes it hard to scheme for this offense. Now, someone will right? the bills are putting more and more on tape. Other guys get it, uh, the guys on the other side of the ball get paid too. Someone is going to figure this out. We're not going to win six the next 16 games in a row. But day in and day out, week in and week out, the Buffalo Bills have a better chance to win than they do lose because of the adjustments that they have made that are starting to take on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. And that play action under center is is just one of those one of those beautiful wrinkles that they can throw into the scheme that's going to keep opposing defenses confounded. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, speaking of keeping uh, opposing defenses confounded, do you want to talk about this upcoming matchup in London? I do, but hang on. Where are you at with your predictions? I owned my McCorkle oh, shit. yeah. Where right. are you at? So, I'm, I'm, okay. My predictions were that Greg Rousseau is an individual sacks 10 plus on the season. Yeah, um, that's looking better now. It's looking better, especially since Von Miller's not back and he's already got three. Um, I had that the Bills Chiefs game will decide the number one seed in the AFC. I don't know what that's going to be. I don't. Um, yeah. The Chiefs do not look as strong as they have in years past. They don't get anybody know, that can catch the ball. I mean, that, but I, I I will say this though they they usually have like a five game slow rumble and then they become like absolute juggernauts in late October, early November. So I, yeah, I we'll see. We'll we'll see. And again, I've said I've said so much wrong shit already this <laughs> season. I don't know if I want to put more yeah. into the the internet ether. But I think a difference between the Chiefs that we have seen versus the in the past versus the team that we're seeing now is they legitimately just don't have guys that can catch the ball. Yeah, and if you take if yeah. you take Kelsey off the board, you're, you've you've stymied them. And for all the speed yeah. that they're rolling out there, these guys aren't getting separation either. Yeah. It's it's 
Those things we haven't seen. We have not seen Kansas City struggle to catch the ball. and We have not seen those wide receivers struggle to get separation. Um, and for all of Andy Reid's brilliant scheming, and he is brilliant, he doesn't seem to be able to scheme anybody open except Kelsey right now. Absolutely. I think that they're struggling. So that was my that was one of my predictions that we can't decide on right now. Yeah, um, I've early. got a couple that are looking pretty, pretty dicey, though. Oh, and Gabe Davis, Gabe Davis leading the team in reception TDs could still happen. But I think Stefan Diggs is making a strong case to break his own record and probably the team record. Yeah. If he keeps the pace he's on right now. Um, and then Dalton Kincaid breaking all tight end rookie records in franchise history, which at present at his current rate magnified over 17 games, presuming he's healthy. Um, he would double the receptions record of 35, uh, but he would fall short on touchdowns and yardage. Yeah. So. I think you also had Dalton Kincaid as offensive rookie of the year for the NFL as well. I did. It's yeah. You some, know, I just, I something was so that's bullish. Never happened for a tight end no. in league history. And, and especially well with like some of the, um, who's the, uh, is a CJ Stroud who's playing for Houston and oh, looking yeah. pretty that's solid. Your, that's yeah. your AFC offensive yeah. rookie of the year right there. That dude is ridiculous. That dude could lose every other game this season and still win, walk away with he, that award. He's he looks so great. He's so stupid good. He's yeah. very smooth with the ball and oh, his reads. He's great. Surprising he's great. for a rookie. All right. So I'm wrong about one thing and you're wrong about a bunch. All right. No, that's good. No, I was just playing. <laughs> I was just playing. I'm wrong. I was I'm what I'm, I'm wrong about the Bills defense. Yep. I'm wrong about the Patriots offense. Yes. I'm probably going to be wrong about the, the Dolphins offense too, but I'm not willing to back off it yet. Something just. And I think I said the Miami Dolphins defense wouldn't be good this season either. And I don't think they will be, but I think they're going to get better from where they are right now. So, yeah. Okay. So we're both, we're, we're both we batting have, we 500. Have we're fine. There. Yeah. We got, we got some fun. irons in the fire. All right. Sure. All right. Speaking of, uh, I have no transition for irons in the fire. No. So let's just talk about London and Speaking Jacksonville of people Jaguars. named Josh Allen. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Yeah. So Josh Allen is going to go against Josh Allen yet again. In his career, um, of course, the Jaguars' pass rusher leading the NFL, or the NFL in sacks, I believe. Was, you said that when we opened, right? Is he uh, leading the league in sacks? I, maybe. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna Google machine that. Okay, because I'm you not Google sure machine that's true. that, and yeah. I'll I'll start talking. I actually about don't it. think anyone in that pass rush is yeah. good, but let me double check. Yeah. So, um, yeah the the Bills are gonna face the Jaguars 9:30 a.m. Eastern time. Um, much later local time in uh, London at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which is actually the the blueprint for the new Bills Stadium that's being built in Orchard Park, which is sort of an interesting wrinkle to see the Bills on a, in a stadium that, that is similar to the design and style of the one that they'll be opening in 2026. I'm excited to see that. Um, and so, you know, it's it's going to be an interesting matchup because to this point in the season, the Jacksonville Jaguars have they, two and two. They've played some weird up and down games. Um, they've played against, let's see, uh, they, they beat Indianapolis by 10 points in Indy to open the season. The week one's always a liar. They lost nine to 17 to Kansas City in a weird kind of defensive struggle. Kansas City absolutely shut down their offense. They had three, you know, uh, field goals on the day. They played a 37 to 17 stinker against Houston. Uh, and then just recently this past week, uh, playing at Wembley, I believe, um, uh, they won 23-7 to against Atlanta. Atlanta looks like they're pretty rough, too. There's a number of turnovers in that game um, and, you know, gaffes against the defense. So I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. 
I think that Buffalo is substantially the better team. They're coming in as 5.5-point uh, favorites on the road in in sort of a neutral neutral site game, even though Jacksonville has a much stronger fan base, or should have a stronger fan base. They play a lot more games over there. For a, but I know, for a decade, I know Bills, yeah. yeah, I know Bill's Mafia travels, though, and there's a number of people that were there to make that trip across the pond. Um, the Statistically, the Jaguars are... Middle of the road, basically in everything. Yeah. Points per game, off opponents' points per game. They're kind of between the twelve and twenty-two in the rankings in the league on both offense and defense. Yep. Up and down across all kinds of things. Their best kind of components of their, you know, they're pretty good in in keeping teams from scoring red zone touchdowns. Eighth best in the league at that. They're pretty good at keeping teams from rushing TDs. Seventh best in the league at that. Their rush defense is probably their best part of their defense. Oh, yeah. Um, their passing defense is poor, uh, except for except for their um, interception percentage. And I think a lot of that is skewed by this Atlanta game. Um, yeah, Desmond uh, Ritter threw him yeah, up some. Des- yeah. Desmond Ritter was delivering, was dicing out hot piles of crap yeah. um, and, in that game. So. And and Andre Sisko, their safety, he's good. Yes. Like, he, he, he's out of Syracuse. Right? Yeah, he's a Syracuse kid. So, like. The, the thing, you know, the, the Jags are one of those teams that they've got just enough guys to make this a problem. And they're yep. they're above average in just enough places to really, especially after the Bills, with such a supercharged divisional win, uh, being poised for maybe a letdown game, right? This is the team that could potentially do that. Josh Allen, the other Josh Allen, Jacksonville, yep. you are correct. Uh, he had two and a half sacks in that game against Atlanta which tied him for the league lead with Khalil Mack, who had had zero sacks through his first three games <laughs> yeah. and then had six sacks in his fourth Which game. What just, a weird freaking season we're having. I know. So he's tied with TJ Watt and Khalil Mack, and then he's a half sack above Miles Garrett, who is next on the list with five and a half sacks this season. So I stand corrected. Um, that is a, it's an interesting defensive line that Jacksonville is rolling out. There's a lot of draft capital and draft equity that they have invested in that line. And they have performed much better against the run than they have the pass. But the pass rush, this is going to be another one of those really solid defensive line units. And this is effectively a road game for the Bills. And offenses on the road, particularly ones that really value quick timing, they really tend to struggle against teams that have a really good pass rush. We saw this a little bit in Washington. I get what the final yep. score was, but Josh's efficiency metrics in that game were his second worst through four games. Only only game that was worse was, of course, the, the Jets game. Um, well, and that Washington game was a bit of a liar because it was it was still a two-score game into the fourth quarter. Correct, right. Then it sort correct. of blew open. Yep. So, yeah, so that was a game that was close for really three, three and a, a quarter quarters, I would say. Yep. Um, but still a great performance by Josh nonetheless, not taking anything away from him. But in order to properly contextualize where this game is going, it is effectively a road game added with the with the wrinkle of being in another time zone, playing at a much earlier time than they're used to and playing a team who has basically been there for two weeks at the time that they snapped the ball. Because Jacksonville will have played already, as you said, against Atlanta in a 9.30 a.m. game. So a team that is effectively playing a home game that is better rested in a in a unique circumstance, I think, is something that we shouldn't factor it, factor out too lately. The Bills are better on paper, but there are circumstances at play, including Trey White's injury, 
and seeing what that adjustment in the secondary is going to look like for the first time, I think that are things that make it really hard to prognosticate what's going to happen. From a ranking standpoint, you're totally right about the Jags. From a DVOA perspective, they're just outside the top 10 in defense, 11th overall. And then offensively, they're 17th. This is a team based on a product that they put on the field last season that folks expected to be better. I don't think Jacksonville has necessarily hit its roof on its offense yet. And what you need to hope for is that this is not the get right game for the Jaguars because they have historically gone to London and after coming back from London, win or loss, have gotten better after that as the season goes on. So they've already played one game in London. If they're going to stick with that historic trajectory, you got to wonder if this is this is a potential get-right game for the Jaguars. Yeah, and I, I think that you hope it's not a get-wrong game for the Bills because everything's been going so right for a few weeks now. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that, you know, again, on paper, for what it's worth, DVOA for what it's worth, um, this will be a challenge. I think that this is going to be a good test for McDermott um, and Dorsey as to whether or not they can get their units to transition to a weird, you know, site for a game timing, the the flight, all of that, and really come with that intensity. Because I think that what you've seen with this Bills team over the past few years is that games like this, like the London game, it's a non-common opponent that they only see every few years. Um, can sometimes they come they come up flat or they miss a lot of big time you know opportunities and so I'm really hoping that's not it for the Bills. Um, I think that there's a the added wrinkles for the defense that I'm interesting to see how McDermott approaches them in Trevor Lawrence's legs and the rushing attack for for Jacksonville. They're not the best in the t- in the league, but they have a fast. I mean, Travis Etienne is very fast and he's the They've threat got out some, of the backfield to catch yeah, it. He's a a backfield to catch it. They're a good screen team, and I think that that's a that's sort of a weakness of the Bills' defense. So rushing, um, the Bills have not seen a mobile quarterback to to the level of Trevor Lawrence this season yet. So that's going to be interesting. Um, that's one of those things that extends drives. It's all been kind of pocket passers up to this point, and so to to have a quarterback who can really hurt you with his legs is going to be interesting for me as well. Um, and the, the Offensive line for the Jaguars is okay. I'd say they're better on their their tackles than they are in the center yeah. um, of their line. But they do have Brandon Scherf, who's an, who's a solid you know guard. Walker Little from I think Stanford. Stanford, um, correct. Yeah, he's uh, he's in his third season I think at this point um, at, at the other guard. So you know they've got some talent, and it's going to be interesting to see how the Bills approach. Stopping Etienne out of the backfield in the pass, stopping Etienne as he rushes it out of the backfield. They also have Tank Bigsby, which is like the coolest name. But I out of Auburn, that kid, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't, he's not he's not the most talented, but he can he can he can hurt you. Um, and so you know, seeing how they shut down the run game, make the offense one dimensional for the Jaguars, and then how they contain Trevor Lawrence's legs, because I think that having a number of weeks, multiple weeks now against mostly pocket passers the defensive line has gotten into a certain kind of rush and they'll need to utilize a different kind of rush or they're going to get gashed. Yep, totally agree. Lawrence is one of those athletic QBs that can really take advantage of an overly aggressive pass rush. It's going to be about maintaining your assignment, maintaining your lanes, and making sure that Lawrence is not using his legs to negate a lot of third and eights or third and nines with some first down scrambles, which he can do. 
And that's what the Bills have been so good at this year is getting off the field uh, when it comes to third and plus territory. So third and five and more yards. They're one of the best, most efficient defenses in the league at doing it. But a guy like Lawrence, who's the same build and makeup as a, as a scrambler like Mahomes, for example, can really lock a lot of that down and really make it difficult for the Bills defense to transition off the field by keeping plays alive with his legs. This is going to be a, a this is going to be an interesting test and I wouldn't sleep on this game if I was Bills fans for sure for sure. Yep. Uh what about the offensive side of the ball? I mean it's got to start with the offensive line continuing to do what it's been doing and protecting Josh from the other Josh that's on the other yes. side of the ball, right? Well, and especially because that Josh Allen, the opponent's Josh Allen will line up over Spencer Brown and I think that what we've seen through the last 3 weeks in the Bills being successful on offense is that they've addressed Spencer Brown's deficiencies in the in pass protection by helping him with the scheme, by making sure that they're shifting protection, giving him an extra chip from a tight end or helping him with the, you know, having the the running back shift his way to help kind of max protect on, on that side. They've been helping him with scheme, but also he's been performing better. When you rewatch the game, especially in all 22, he's actually been pretty solid at cutting off angles and using some of that athleticism, um, to make sure that the pass rushers off the edge are not getting the easiest route to the quarterback. Um, but then he's also shown a little bit better anchor. His his weakness has always been um, when someone bull rushes him, he gets too tall and gets driven back into Josh Allen. And he's done a nice job a number of times, um, you know, this these last couple of days of anchoring down. Um, it feels like almost, I think it's it's crazy to say this as a, as a rookie, Osiris Torrance might have the best bull rush anchor on the entire line, even better than Deion Dawkins, who is one of the best I've ever seen when it comes to, you know, really stifling a bull rush at the point of attack and not giving up more than a half half yard or so um, when that rush hits. Osiris Torrance's anchor is amazing. And I mean, who knows if he's coaching Spencer Brown on how to anchor better, but it looks like he is because, you know, some of the technique stuff has changed over the last two or three weeks. Um, so yeah, that's going to be the decider is if they can keep interior pressure off Josh Allen and they keep Josh Allen off Josh Allen, I think the bills have a chance to to continue the efficiency that they've had. Cause other than that defensive front and their safety Cisco, they do not have a, a supremely talented middle, you know, middle of their defense and linebackers no. and, and outside corners. Right. The spine of the defense, the middle of the field is really where this defense is vulnerable this this could be, and maybe helping your prediction, potentially a Dalton Kincaid breakout game. Um, I mean, they've got who they got. They got the kid from Georgia. They drafted number one last year, Trevon Trayvon Walker, Walker. Right? Yeah. It more he's more of a pass rush specialist coming out of they they run a base three four, I think. And yes. he's more of a pass rush specialist where he's coming from at that point. Um, they don't have a, a lot else other than Cisco in the middle of the field. They got Tyson Campbell on the boundary as one of their DBs. He's halfway decent, yeah. right? But there's going to be opportunities for this offense to eat in, in between the hashes if they can exploit it in the right way. And it starts with keeping Josh clean, but it also starts with maybe some of that 12 personnel, maybe some more play action, uh, pass heavy sets coming out of that. Um, yeah, I, I like where I'm headed with my game predictions. I think I'm going to make a Dalton Kincaid bold, okay. bold prediction for this. Like, yeah, I like where I'm at. Go bullish. Yeah, I did. But it, this is also could be a Sherfield or Hardy breakout game yes. too. We've talked about how they've run so many of those middle corner decoy routes to open up the boundaries. 
this could be a place where you actually hit some of those middle end crossers yep. against a team that is so weak in the middle of their defense that there could be some really interesting things happening this game where some of these role players for the Bills that were big free agent acquisitions or draft acquisitions that haven't quite found their role yet, they really could find a home in this offense in this game, given what the matchups against this particular defense will yield. This is also a good game for James Cook in terms of like some of the delayed handoff draws and different things that he's done, um, because this is a this is a defensive line that can be had by over pursuit. Just like the Bills are aggressive defensive line, I think that the Jaguars are an aggressive defensive line. That's probably the only knack or knock on Josh Allen, the pass rusher, is that he he tends to leave his lane in. in in seeking glory, right? Like he's an athletic specimen. So he can usually recover from those situations and make athletic plays to cover up his lack of technique. But there are times where his technique puts him wildly out of place when he's trying to fit the run. And so I think that there's some, some delayed handoff, maybe counter type opportunities for, for James Cook to make some hay as well. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, it's, it, it's going to be so fascinating to see what happens. Um, and while I should get out of the prediction game, after what we just did in the last segment showing how bad I am at it, um, I think we want to get to some predictions for this particular yes. game. What do you say? Uh, yeah, let's absolutely. let's start with score. Let's start with score because I'm still I'm still got some stuff marinating in my head about some player props that I want to do. So JJ, what do you think the final score of this game is? So interesting stat. I actually heard this on One Bill's Drive, One Bill's Live. Um, that the, uh, you know, Steve Tasker brought it up the, the bills are, so if you missed it, here's a highlight. Um, the bills are on the cusp of setting the NFL record for the most consecutive games won by 28 or more points. If they win this week by 28 or more points, they will, um, take the record over from the 1954 Chicago bears, which is kind of a wild statistic. Crazy. Yeah. So. Um, which I'm, I'm like so into, and I, I know this is like just a recipe for, a, this is a recipe for the bills to lose in a nine, six battle, right? Like a defensive stalemate where it's field goals only, but I really, you know, I want this, this record so badly that I'm going to say the bills win 31 to three. Wow. Okay. Yes. 31 to three. Man, you, all, you you don't yeah. think Trevor Lawrence is going to do think, shit in this game? I don't game. think they're going to do anything. Wow. I don't I don't see I don't see a team I don't see a defensive unit that turned a team that scored 70 and had a chance to go to 77. Um I don't see the defensive unit that did that and turned them into you know, turned their carriage back into a pumpkin in one week doing much against it or letting much up against a team that couldn't score um, more than like 20 some points against the Falcons. Yeah. I I mean, I tend to agree with you. If the game is going to be any closer or any higher scoring, it's going to be because it's ugly, right? It's yeah, going to be like one of dirty. those 24, 21 types of affairs. And I'm, I'm not there. I'm, I'm kind of with you. You know, I think all when all it's said and done, I do think the bills walk away with the victory here. I think they've got momentum on their side, and we've seen, even after losing a player like Trey White, we have seen teams rally together from an emotional standpoint and sometimes overperform in the first couple of weeks after a big injury like that, before reality really sets itself in. 
I think this Bills defense wants to do this for Trey. They want to prove that they are the best in the league. And I see the Bills defense playing very well here too. I think the final score for this particular game, I, I don't think the Bills hang 30. And I think this crazy streak you mentioned does come to somewhat of an end, but just barely. I see the Bills winning this game 24 to 10. Hmm. So I see them covering, but I take the under for this game. Okay. What is the what is the points in this game? Uh, the points on this was 46 last time I okay. looked. Yeah, 46. So I, I was also under. Yeah. So yeah. But uh, all right. Let's do some player props. I want I want to start with Dalton Kincaid and get this out of my system. Okay. Uh, Dalton Kincaid over under 55 and a half total yards. Okay. I'm, I'm going to take the over. I think Vegas has him at like 25 and a half yards. Like he has not been doing much. Right, I, I think yeah. this. Given the vulnerabilities of this particular defense, this could be a breakout game for Kincaid. So I'm going to take the over on 55 and a half. So his uh, his his season average is 25, almost on the nose. Yeah. Um. So that's why I'm going to go under. I think he does better. His best game was 43 yards. Uh. And so I'm going to go under, but I think that it's it's going to be over his average if that's. Yeah, under your prediction, under mine, over, but over his over average. The average. Yes. So you're saying he's going to be somewhere in between 25, what Vegas has him at, which is 25 yeah. and a half, yep. and what I have him at, which is 55 and a half. Yeah. Yep. Okay, that's fair enough. All right, let's see. I got another one. Deontay Hardy, over under four and a half total receptions. I'm also taking the over on this. I think this could be a finally be a Hardy game. Oh. Um. So you're going to go over 4.5. Yep, I'm going to go over. And again, it's because he's such a unique weapon in the middle of the field. He's such a great weapon in the screen game, which can really negate an overly aggressive uh, pass rush like this unit is. And again, they're vulnerable in the defense in the defensive backfield. So I, the, there's a lot. There's a lot that speaks well for Hardy finally getting going in this offense. So I um, I love that prediction but i'm just gonna be you know i'm just gonna be oppositional because i can be i'm gonna say under i'm gonna say he's he's, such a contrarian freaking skip bayless (laughs) he's gonna continue to be a a decoy and and it's not because i don't like hardy it's because i love sherfield my prediction is that sherfield gets over 5.5 receptions oh i'm totally taking the under on this okay yeah no this is he's basically a run blocking wide receiver (laughs) for this team sherfield is my horse hardy is yours there it is. Like, give me, give me the tiny guy. Give me the tiny yep. fast guy. Yeah. All right. Fair. Yeah. All right. Cool. You got another one. Yeah, I got one. I got another one on offense, and then I got one on defense. Um, mine on offense is James Cook receiving TD point five or more. Ooh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go under, only because he'd have to he'd have to break one right, which he almost yeah. did against the Dolphins. But they're just using him. The place where it would be most rational for him to get one would be in the red zone, right? Coming yep. up. Uh, leaking out of the backfield, and they're just not using him. They, take him, red off, zone they sets. take him off the field. Yeah, for those. yeah. They're, they're just not right. They're not using yeah. him in those sets. So he would have to break one, which is not out of the realm of possibility for someone of his speed and skill set. But I'm still going to take the under. Okay. Um. So I got one more. The uh, defense notches two takeaways. Oh God! Can I push? Can I take? Because I think yes. they, I think they probably get exactly two. Yeah, I, I think this is a 
This is a deep, a ball hawking defense, but man, the way they attack ball carriers too, like the punch outs that they're going oh, yeah. for, it's dude, yeah. I have not seen that level of aggression from this no. defense ever. Well, like, and, yeah. and it's, it's almost automatic. They like, that's their first instinct, yeah. you know, especially Milano. Like that has a, has a like right hook for the ball that is uncanny. Dude, it's crazy. It's unreal. I cannot get over how fast this team looked against Miami. This defense yeah. looked. Like we've been saying all along, they're slow, they're old, they're old. in certain places, yeah. right? But like, uh, I mean, Bernard, sideline to sideline, that dude is a missile. We knew Milano yep. was fast. And the speed of that defensive line finally coming through in the way that it has, like, dear Lord. Well, and what I'll say too about the linebackers is what we're seeing is that instincts can overcome athleticism. You know, like... Bernard and Milano are both pr premium athletes. I think oh, that they're, they're A plus athletes. Yeah, you'd yeah. consider them matchup linebackers, which means that they're like good in coverage against almost any assignment. And so they have the chops athletically, but I think that they're even better and faster than their athletic profile would allow because their instincts are that much sharper. Like they, yeah. they have some of the best instincts for the ball. They're always around the ball. Um, Bernard is leading the team in tackles, solo tackles right now. And he just seems to always know where, where a play is going and how to get there. And so whether that's their football intelligence, whether that's their film study, whether that's a combination of both, whether that's just an, an amazing preternatural ability to know what's happening on a play, they are both excellent in that way. And so it, they look faster, I think, than they even are, and they're already fast. Yeah, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So for those reasons, I, I'm going to... Can, we, can you put this at like a one and a half and I'll take the over? Cause I feel like I, yes. I feel weird pushing. So yeah, I'll take the over at one and a half because I'm I, clearly I, not a better guy. So <laughs> you're not a degenerate. I use whole numbers. Yeah. Yeah. You're not a degenerate. Yeah. No, wait, wait till you have kids. It takes you to all the dark places. <laughs> Fair. It's coming. Yeah, it's coming. Caesar's sports book is my new friend, but yeah. Yeah. So now one, I, I, if one and a half, I'll take the over for sure. What about so you? So we're, I'm sitting at a one and a half. We're both going to pick the over. Yeah. Um, I just think that they're just generating such, and that's actually an area that Je the Jacksonville is very good at. They are, uh, they're a plus one turnover dif differential in their favor, um, on average throughout the season so far. Yeah. So, cause their defense does turn the ball over yes. pretty good. But again, you got the Atlanta game. It's a bit of an outlier, but their defense is pretty good in the turnover game as well. Let's, Let's hope our Josh Allen continues to mature and be patient. And, and to yes. be better than their Josh Allen in this yes. one. Yes, please be better. Please be better. Awesome. Well, speaking of being better, I got no good transition for this either. Uh, you better listen after we post well, this your, pod. Your health is better. You know. <laughs> speaking of being better, welcome back, Dan. Thank you. Yes, yeah. it's good to be back. Good to be back in the lineup this week, JJ. Yes. But um, for all of those of you listening at home, like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Google, Apple, Spotify. Feel free to drop us a review or hit us up on social media as well. All the fun platforms, including Facebook, X, and Instagram. And as always, go Bills. Go Bills. <laughs>